Welcome to the Linked Up Church podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, Pastor Patricia Gregory starts a personal and thought-provoking series called Remixed. Let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. Amen. Now, as usual, we played that video, and we had a great time, praise God. But as usual, the things that stick out to me oftentimes are the things that occur amongst the locals. Because, you know, the people that come there come there on purpose. They come there with some intention. But the locals there, they don't know what's going on. So they just know that they are assigned a task, and they have to work, and they show up and do what they do. And so... Um, One of the locals, there was a lady there, she said, you know, she asked one of our members and one of our uh, attendees, uh, uh, one of the leaders, if she could be a part of, could she come in to worship with us? And I said, yeah, of course, of course, of course. And so she came in there and she worshiped with us and received all that she needed to receive from God, praise God. I saw her midway through the uh, time that we were there and she she was a black lady and she said to me, you know what? Thank you for letting me come because it just feels good to be amongst my people and to feel understood. I said, okay, well, praise God, but God is understandable to all, but praise God. You know what I mean. And then she kept on going about her business. She was a sweet, sweet lady. And so then uh, that was one situation. That was my personal encounter. Well, towards the end there, you saw us gather together on the beach. And I usually end the conferences on the beach or wherever we are, we have prayer. That's how we ended. And we had early morning prayer at that time. And um, it, was a, it was probably about, oh, I don't know, about 100 of us or so, because some people were leaving, so not everyone was able to gather. Some of them slept in because it was at 8 o'clock in the morning. Praise the Lord. And towards the end of prayer, this lady came running down, and she had tears in her eyes, and she was like, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? And I was was like, sure. She knew to come and find me. I wasn't even the last one praying at that that time, but she found me and a cluster of us that were gathered, and she said, could you pray for me? Could you pray for me? And um, we were like, yeah, what's going on? And so she explained to us what something that was going on with her son. I still pray for Jackson even today. And um, she, she told us about, he had heard him he had a big test to take, yada, yada, yada. And so we prayed for her, and, um, and that was it. And so then, you know, some, somebody, I don't know if it was me, I don't even remember how it came up, asked, you know, how, how did you end up down here? And, you know, so she said, well, I was up in my room. I'm a vacationer, and I was up in my room, and I looked out on the balcony, and I saw you guys praying. And I, know, and I was like, that you are my kind of people. Yeah. Right? She was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white lady. Now, the paradox here is someone said, you are my kind of people because of the color of your skin. The other one said, you're my kind of people because she saw us praying. What do you think is the most powerful of them? It is, but we can't negate the very thing that unites us can be the very thing that separates us. Because you can't tell me that the power of God is not in another church where the people might not look like that lady looked or might not look like us. So Pastor Gregory started talking about multiculturalism. And, you know, he made a statement. He was messing with me. But, you know, I am a doggone casserole. You know what you do with casserole is all the leftover food. You just put it together, some sauce and some good spices to make it taste right, right? Um, a casserole, a bowl of spoon, a soup, uh, whatever you want to call it. Now, you know, the fact is most churches do not have a problem with multiculturalism. There's multiple cultures in every church, in any service. I'll give you an example. How many Haitians are here? Come on, be proud. Represent your Haitian. How many Jamaicans? <laughs> you see that? I knew they were going to be loud. Now, here's another one. How many Nigerians? All right. How many Latin Americans? All right. Oh, yeah. We can't forget. How many Dominicans? No Dominican Republicans? No? 
Y'all online, if you're Dominican Republican, let us know online. Because I know quite a few of them that are here. Do we have any Irish or German people? Yeah. So see, most churches don't have an issue with multiculturalism. The reality is the issue that separates us is race. Oftentimes it is race. We tend to identify with people that might look like us. And that can be a huge misnomer. Because what we are doing is we are racially profiling. So I'm going to let you know right now, I might say some things that you might find like, oof. But I've lived too long and experienced too much and serve a God that's too good to not say the things that might come out of my mouth. But the reality is racial profiling happens amongst us all. The reality is profiling, period, happens amongst us all. The woman that you are married to is, the, is a result of your profiling. The man that you're married to is a result of your profiling. Come on now. You profiled. So when we act upon that profile, right? Regardless of what it is, sometimes a, a, a one man might walk into a corporate office and see a bunch of women. He profiles instantly, especially if he's the minority. A woman, I know this by experience, a woman might walk into an office and see mostly men. No matter what the color is, she's instantly going to profile and adjust. It happens. And is it going to go anywhere? The reality is it's not. Because that's how we identify with one another. But we're going to speak to today the profile that matters the most. And it requires a relationship with the most high God that's able to show you and reveal to you what really matters. And that's called Christian profiling. Because we're living in an age whereby we can say, oh, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Oof. Hallelujah. <laughs> and we look like a Christian. We might even sound like Christian. But what separates so many people from the church is that we end up, after a little bit of time of spending some time with each other, don't act like we're Christian. Christianity in and of itself has been accused of being the white man's religion. Now folks want to claim a black Jesus? Come on, blackish. There's paintings of Jesus being straight-haired with, with a short beard, and we all know Jewish Hebrew men at that time had long beards, and we know, according to the word of God itself, he had woolly hair. Right? He wasn't white or black. He was Hebrew. How about that? But because we want so hard, we want so badly to identify with somebody after our flesh, we morph them into what we want them to be instead of who they really are. And we could do that amongst races. Now, I'm going to submit this to you. We talk about, a lot about the world, but the world pop culture, hip-hop, football culture, is more united on a Sunday morning between 8 and 1 p.m. than the church is. Because it doesn't matter what you look like. If you're rooting for the Falcons, you're my guy. If you're rooting for Michigan, you're my guy. Go blue. If you are down with whatever pop culture, whatever, I don't know what show is out there that's popular right now, you're my person. We got something in common. What we need and what people, humanity looks for is commonality. How many of you know people that look like you, but you just, you know that they have made you their enemy? So what ends up happening is oftentimes we get culture 
multiculturalism, we get ethnicity, nationality, and race, and we put in this big mixing pot as if it's one thing. And it really isn't, they're very different. And there's gonna be significance in these definitions a little bit later. So the, the first there's culture. Multiculturalism is necessary. There's a spiritual culture, there's a social culture, there's a fashion culture, there's musical culture. Culture, there's a bunch of definitions in your notes. If you, forgive me for saying, not saying it, if you're following us online or if you're here, you should be following us on your notes and you could download that. I suggest go to our app. Download our app. That's what you wanna do, okay? But if you don't have the app but you have version, you could look at it that way as well. There's a bunch of definitions in, uh, in there, but I'm going to focus in on just a couple. The word culture is defined as a sum total of ways of living built up by a group of human beings and transmitted from one generation to another. It's the sum total of ways of living built up by a group of human beings and transmitted from one generation to another. Moses was told, hey, the, Moses didn't, there, there was no first five books written. It was told from generation to generation to generation. And then when Moses crossed that, when God delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt, he says forever and continue to share the story, right? And it was passed down, this culture was passed down from generation to generation. Ethnicity, ethnicity is pertaining to or characteristic of a people, especially a group sharing a common distinctive culture, religion, language, or the like. So ethnicity can be a combination of it all creating a group of people. Nationality, the status of, because people try to be slick, they ask, what is your nationality? And I look at them and say, American. <laughs> My father would hit me like, tell them you're born in Korea and you're, but that, don't make, that doesn't mean anything, right? They just want to know, why do I look different? Nationality, the status of belonging to a particular nation, whether by birth or naturalization. The nationality of an immigrant. The, it's the status belonging to a particular nation, whether by birth or naturalization. And then we have the word race. Race, which is not as technically used as much as it used to be, not for the rawness of what it was initially defined, but race, is any use, any of the traditions, divisions, traditional divisions of humankind, the commonest being Caucasian, Mongoloid, and Negro, characterized by supposedly distinctive and universal physical characteristics. Any of the traditional divisions of humankind, the commonest being Caucasian, Mongoloid, some of you are like, what's Mongoloid? That's Asian. And Negro, some of you are like, ooh, I haven't heard that word in a minute. That's only to be used during February. <laughs> it's in the dictionary, y'all. It's, it's, it's still a word. Characterized by supposedly distinctive and universal physical characteristics. Now, each culture, each nationality, all have their different races. Everyone. Believe it or not, Asians have categories of races. They're not all, and I'm gonna say this because I'm, I'm have more Korean than I am anything else. They're not all the skin tone of yellow, as people characterize them. There are very dark Asians. Go to Thailand. Very dark Asians. So there is a vast mix of races, and guess what? The same division and stigmatisms even stick there. Go to India. There is, to this day, a caste system. And that caste system, the, the, because of the Hindu religion, if you look a particular way, they believe that your sins of your past life shows up in, your, uh, in, your, in this life, so therefore the darker you are, the dirtier you must have been. So therefore the darker the skin, typically they are part of a different caste system that is basically cast out. They're considered untouchable. So, you know, even though there might be different cultures, and in America we can think that the issues that exist here are relegated to here, and then we'll throw in South Africa. We might even throw in Europe. But no, the enemies 
perversion and theft of pride of identity and being made in the image of God has run rampant. And if we're not careful, we could find ourselves propitiating a negativity that's, this, that's, that's owned only by the enemy because of our denial of our own profiling. Chink, yellow girl, Viet Cong, Chinese, import, chung chung kin chung. Those are all the names that I was called. I, if I go into a Korean store, my husband tell you, babe, I, I don't even, I am so oblivious to it now. One thing bullying taught me is to not regard people and don't give them too much my attention. But he noticed that, babe, you notice whenever we go somewhere and there's mostly Korean people, they just look at you and they stare at you. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I guess it still happens, right? Growing up, I grew up in Detroit, which was at that time 82% black. <clears throat> it's changed a lot now. So I grew up in the Detroit, in 313, inside, okay? Below Eight Mile, all right? Inside of, of Gratiot and inside of, uh, 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 what's the west side? Um, I don't know, west side divides Michigan Avenue. No, it goes beyond Woodward Gratiot, but uh, no, the west side of the border is, I think, Michigan. Telegraph? Yeah, it is. It's Telegraph. Inside of that. What up, though? <laughs> so I'm mostly amongst black people. My most horrific, subhuman, racial experiences happened amongst black people. But then, when I go on the other side of Eight Mile, and I hang out with my friends in the burbs, it's mostly white people, but you got that undercurrent of what you gonna do. Put away your stuff. Y'all can play outside, don't come inside. So no matter where I went, I was different. No matter who I was playing with, who are you? What are you? If you're a parent of a mixed child, or if you're a mixed child, you get me. Because the reality is, you don't think, especially if you grew up in the 70s and 80s like I did, you don't know what you're gonna get from any group of people because acceptance is very questionable. Because why? Profiling, but you just don't know what to profile when you look at a person like me. Greg, stand up. Greg, what color are your eyes? Hazel brown, very fair skin. If you just took a quick mug shot of Greg, and you, and <laughs> right, and you just move real fast, you could easily think he was white. It's not until he opens his mouth <laughs> that you're like, oh, he's a brother. Go ahead, sit down, Greg. I have another friend. It's a little lighter than Greg. Blue eyes and blonde hair. <laughs> both of his parents are, I don't know what happened there, because both of his parents are dark. But he's a, he's, a, he's a black guy. What is my point in saying all this? God made us different. And we are all made in his image. If you exist, you exist because it existed in him first. And for every, anyone to degrade or denigrate you because of what you look like or want to be separate from you because of what you may look like, the things that you may practice as a matter of culture, has in fact denied and denigrated themselves. And that's how you have to see it. Because it's out of their own security that they want to attack. It took me a long time to get that. But it, it, it's the truth.
Listen to this. My mother raised me to be suspicious of every Korean person I encountered. Why? Because she knew that racism existed within them. You got to remember, my mother finally told me the story later, later, later in life. When she was about 12 or 13 years old, right after her father died, she had a dream because the Korean War was wrapping up and they were still talking about the Korean War. And that was the first time she had ever seen a black person on whatever, whatever picture it was. The first time she had ever seen a black person. She didn't even know the world had people that didn't look like her. And she said she had a dream that one day she was going to marry a black man. She was 12 or 13 years old. She said she had a dream that she was kissing somebody that was dark, and she was married to him. Years later, she meets this dude, John Richard Davenport, an Air Force dude, hanging out with her friends. Three months later, met three months later. I don't suggest that for anybody. <laughs> she said, tell me about it. My father proposes. It took him shorter time to fall in love and propose to her than it did for them to actually get married because the FBI during the Vietnam War days, my mother was under huge investigation for about a year before they were permitted to get married. But when she got married, I did not see my grandmother ever. She, she said that she couldn't remember if my grandmother saw me. I mean, she knows she saw me when I was born, but couldn't remember if she saw me right before we left America because it was forbidden. So my mother rebelled in marrying my father. So she cautioned my brother and I, did not teach us the language because she did not want us to identify so much with the Korean culture that we would be ridiculed and experience racism that ended up happening anyway by her own people if we were to try and fit in. Okay? And so what ended up happening though, my upbringing was just bananas. I have Uncle Paul Guiona. My Aunt Jeannie, Mar Jeannie is her American name, married Uncle Paul Guiona. Paul, Uncle Paul was Cuban. My Aunt Tina, my mother's cousin, married Uncle Al. Al is Irish. My Aunt Pochu, her and my mother were the only ones to keep their Korean name. I called her Emo. Emo married Uncle Milton, black and Native American, like straight Cherokee. And then here my mother is marrying my dad, who's a product of German, Native American, and black. So we Christmas dinners looked crazy. Christmas dinners looked crazy because everybody brought something where? From their house, right? And there would be arguments based off of other people's culture. We don't do that in my house, but we do it in my house, and I'm a guest in your house. I mean, it would just be hilarious, especially when a few Budweiser's got mixed up in there. <laughs> Promise you, there is scripture coming. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 11, it says, in this new creation life, your nationality makes no difference or your ethnicity, education, or economic status. They matter nothing, for it is Christ that means everything as he lives in every one of us. See, we've just experienced off of the last couple of years, since I say since Obama, we have experienced America's experienced one of its biggest historical turning points as it pertains to race relations. And I, I would love to believe that me, that means that with, with, you know, little black children, little white children, we'll all worship and we'll all sing hallelujah in, in the same spaces. But it has yet to happen. Yes, music might separate us, but the spirit of God is, should be what unites us. And as Christians, we proclaim and remind ourselves that there is justice, love, mercy, and faith in us because of Jesus and our pursuit of godliness. But how much of that is idealism versus practice? How much of that is ignorance versus knowledge? You know, we might say that they are ignorant to our plight and our experience, and they are, but the reality is you're also ignorant of the other people's plight and experience. 
is how much of it is acceptance versus tolerance? Hmm? How many of you just on the auspice of them looking different take the position of here they come? How much of it is teaching versus learning? Yes, we ought to teach each other our differences. We ought to bring ignorance and out, out, drag it out and put it under the light. But we also have to be willing to learn about other cultures and ethnicities and nationalities and races if we're truly going to blend, if we're truly going to be a United States of America, if we're going to truly be, even more importantly, the body of Christ. Now, in what we're going to do is for the next couple of minutes, we're going to go into and take a look at the historical and biblical truths that pertain to individuals, communities, societies, and generations. Number one, we're going to talk about difference versus division. Difference should not equal division. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11 in the English Standard Version, verse 1, it says, The whole earth had one language and the same words. Skip down to verse 4 through 8. Then they said, Come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top on the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Highlight that. And nothing that they propose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand each other's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. This is the time after Noah. And what God told them as a people after the flood, he said, spread out. Populate the whole earth. Spread out. Don't stick together. But in them sticking together, in their rebellion, but in their knowledge and in their power as a united force, they were about to build something that even God said, whoa, hold up. He said, nothing will be impossible for them. In their ignorance and in their rebellion, he said, even in that, nothing will be impossible for them. Now let's flip that side of the coin. Coin, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> if we are in Christ, and the biblical language that, and the language that ties us together is hallelujah. How much more can, if we come together, regardless of our race, nationality, or culture, can nothing be impossible for us? How much more if we are in Christ? So God used one thing and one thing only to separate them, and it was language. It was language. And so our language might be different. We might speak the same words. We, we went to Europe some time ago. Within a two-hour ride around that rail, you are exposed to five different languages. So guess what? It's just expected over in Europe in that London, UK area that you speak more than three languages but we are so impressed. Oh, yes, they're superior in intellect and knowledge because they, no, they've been submersed. They get on that rail, they're speaking English. We speak American. <laughs> Let's make that clear. We speak American, they speak English, right? A form of English is what we speak. So you go from English, and, the, and, and even our, our words and their words are different, right? And then you travel a little bit, you're in, in, in France. You travel a little bit more, you're in Spain, Spanish. You travel a little bit more, you're in Germany, German. You travel a little bit more, you're in Italy, Italian. And don't mess around and go off the rail a little bit and end up in South Africa, right? So 
Language is what separated them, but then God gave us tongues. And he gave us his praises that unites us. When you speak in tongues, when you speak in, the, in your Bible, in your spiritual language, you don't even know what you're saying, but guess what God does? So guess what? As long as we're speaking whatever our native tongue is when the, with the intent of love, it is conveyed. It was so impressive to the people when we were in Mexico one time, I was trying to speak Spanish. I was trying to. And the man was just, he was just so sweet. He says, you know what? Finally, he let me know that he could speak English. I'm like, <laughs> He, t he told me and my daughter, he says, we, 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 a lot of times you Americans are arrogant. You're in my country, but you still want me to adapt to you. So he, he remixes. Now, can somebody just real quickly tell me the definition of what you believe remix means? Cha redo, change it up. Typically, a remix is changing it up, but you're adding something extra special on top. I love this hip-hop artist, Wande, right? I mean, she, she's my kind of girl. And Wande had a song called Blessed Up. I've been blessed up. I mean, okay, so I'm not going to try to do that here. <laughs> and she had that song. The song was a hit. But then when she added Lecrae on top, and they remixed it, and that'd be, dun, 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 dun. I'm like, I need some skates, right? <laughs> it became something extra. Now let's take it to the world. Let's take it, I'm just gonna go there, I'm gonna take it to the world. What's that girl's name? She, she nasty, but I, uh, No, um, Meg Thee Stallion. You need to be saved, Audrey. I wanna see you on this altar, Audrey. Meg Thee Stallion had her song, Yeah, I'm a Savage, right? And I didn't even know the song existed. But then when she added Beyonce to it, though, it was a little something extra, wasn't it? <laughs> when we are one in him, and we truly recognize who we are in him. And when he says your ethnicity, your culture, your background, your education, your wealth status, your net worth means nothing when you are in Christ. He says none of that means anything when you are in Christ. So you can't, you can't use being a slave as an excuse. See, somebody forgot to tell the non-reading Harriet Tubman that she, could, that she had to stay in slavery. Someone forgot to tell her that somewhere. So when God remixes something, he takes your awesome existence because you, he made you, and when he adds Jesus on top of it, he remixes it to make you a hit, baby. But when we want to stay in the stigma of our flesh, we, 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 when we want to stay in the stereotype of our upbringing, when we want to boast about our net worth, when we insist that our culture is the right culture, we negate everything that he said that unites us and that makes us powerful. We'd rather be okay with the 2,000 hits that sold instead of the gold and platinum that could sell. So when, when she, uh, uh, what was her name, Umi? Umi? When Umi came up here and sang, she, ooh, I'm, I'm, t I'm still tired after that. She, when she was up here singing, she said, you just love me too much. He loves you too much to stay stuck in your, in your profiling. He loves you too much to be stuck in your status quo. He loves you too much to be stuck in that familiar spirit. He loves you too much to be stuck in that generational curse. Sometimes we give generational curses too much power and too much validity because of where we came from. But he said, it doesn't matter when you are in Christ. And I think he uses in Christ on purpose because, see, Jesus ascended. 
but in Christ remained. It's that smeared on, transferable anointing that enables you to prosper. And honestly, it's not limited by what you look like. It's not limited by how much you know. We know, knew, uh, uh, we knew somebody dropped out in the eighth grade. A multi-billionaire at one time owned the largest gold bank there was. Somebody forgot to tell him that he was supposed to be stuck staying poor. So when we use race, the immigrant status, as an excuse as to why we are where we are, all we do is negate the power of God that could be in operation in our lives. Let me go through this with you. I left the notes a long time ago, so forgive me. The notes are worthy of your studying, okay? The enemy is, the next one is, the enemy is good at two, three things. <laughs> and I heard Dad Hagen say this, and I was like, you know what? That's the absolute truth. You got to give him credit. He's good at persistence. He's good at perversion. And he has a PhD in division. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said that I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Let me break it down to you, the practicum of that. To steal, he wants to take from you what's rightfully yours. He wants to take from you what's rightfully yours. Better yet, he wants to Juneteenth you. He wants you to stay ignorant of what belongs to you and not go searching for it. So when, he, when it says he steals, he takes. But oftentimes he takes because we're giving it to him. We've gotten convinced that popular opinion means more than the word of God. We're addicted more to social media than we are to studying and prayer. I love you people online. Revelations 12, 10 in the, uh, in the English standard says, a loud voice in heaven said, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. He has been what? He has been what? He has been what? It says, who accuses them day and night before our God. Jesus got rid of, he, he, he took the teeth out of the accuser of the brethren. Who's the accuser of the brethren? The enemy, the devil. So when we blame the white man for what we don't have, when we blame poverty for what we don't have, when we blame, all we're doing is lining up with the enemy. The reality is that you can have all that God has for you If you just line up with the one who got rid of the accuser. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not minimizing the issues of race in this country and around the world. I am not minimizing it. But what I am doing is that I'm putting it on point that you don't have to rest there. You don't have to be defined by it. And you sure enough don't have to be limited by it. You are the original no limit soldier. Right? Master P didn't define no limit. God defined no limit. He told Abraham, Abraham, look at the sun. He was like, the, it, it's just too much. Look at the stars in the sky and look at the sand on the sea. That's how many your seed will be. That looks a little unlimited to me. So then... He masters division, isolation, and that's where he conquers. And you notice humanity typically loves, when, when, when defeat looks like it's at our door, when it looks like we're going through something, we love to hide it. We love to hide it. Let me go and, I'm, I'm guilty. I would rather go in a corner and lick my wounds all by myself. But guess what? God said, no, no, no. That's when you need your brethren the most. 
I adore and I thank God we have had a almost 30 year relationship. To, yeah, almost 30 year relationship, Sharon and Dave Talkington. They are the sweetest r rural <laughs> white family up in Newark, Ohio. And they're even Ohioans. That makes things even extra special. I'm Michigan through and through, right? They live near Columbus, Ohio. And um, to this day, we're great and dear friends. And I know that if I call Sharon for anything, she's going to make it happen. That woman will pray down heaven for me. I know that. I adore her children, Rebecca. I adore them. So anyway, and we had to have very candid conversations. At seven years old, Rebecca, because I used to live with them, Rebecca would call me girl. Now here I am, a 24, 23, 25-year-old young lady. Hey, girl, what's up with you, girl, girl? And I had to say, Sharon, listen, honey, come on, let's have a conversation. <laughs> I, know she, I know she's not doing this, you know, to be malicious, but you just don't call a grown woman girl, especially when it's a black woman. And she was so apologetic. We have had very candid conversations about race. She called me crying. Trish, you gotta tell me. I mean, I don't understand what's going on. I mean, the Black Lives Matter movement. <laughs> and I had to help her understand the difference between the movement and then the organization two totally different things. But we're so caught up with Black Lives Matter that we don't realize what we're actually aligning ourselves with. As Christians, don't argue with me with body. You take it to God because it's in his word. And if you don't know, you better find out. I'm going to stop right there. I got a lot more to say. But the bottom line of it all, I'm going to end right here. Dog, I got a lot more to say. <laughs> Babe. Ooh. Real quick. Okay, so I'm just going <laughs> to. Now, y'all going to get me in trouble. I, I got to get better at this. So I want you to write this down. This is uh, under point number three, which is where I will pick up later on. The country is staring down the crossbows of some very targeted affairs, both biblically and socially. And if we're not careful, as a church, we will be caught up in the same demise that every kingdom has ever faced. History has proven to us that kingdoms, nations, and even people have about 200 to 400 year power reign. I've taught this before, but I'm going to just share in brief about it again. The first one, people often rise up from bondage to spiritual freedom. Bondage to spiritual freedom. Every kingdom has experienced this. Number two, they go from spiritual freedom to courage. From spiritual freedom to courage. Number three, they go from courage to prosperity. They go from courage to prosperity. And then from prosperity, number four, they go to abundance. From prosperity, they go to abundance. Mind you, prosperity and abundance are two different things. Number five, they go from abundance to selfishness. My way or the highway. I did this. We got here based off of what we did. From number six, selfishness to complacency. From selfishness to complacency. Number seven, from complacency to apathy. From complacency to apathy. Number eight, from apathy to dependence. From apathy to dependence. And number nine, from dependence right on back to bondage. The more you look to anything else or anyone else besides God for your prosperity and your abundance and everything that you need, the more you look to anyone else than him, it will land you every time back in bondage. 
And though this, was, this is studied and remarked by historians throughout the civilizations of time, with every great civilization, there came this cycle. And America is looking right now at the crosshairs of looking at this, because right now we are the mega power of the land. But see, they can do what they want to the country, but I would be remiss not to believe that they cannot do such a thing to the body of Christ. Because what starts, what happens to a country first happened to an individual. So if you're not careful, you can find yourself in this very same cycle when you don't let God be the number one in your life, the head honcho, the master, the king, and the Lord that he is. Colossians, and I'm ending here. Colossians chapter 3, what he starts out saying in verse 1 in the Passion, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. In other words, you died and you became born again. You became born again by the Spirit, not by your flesh. This is why we, were, we are to yearn for all that is above. This is the foundational scripture for Linked Up Church. For that's where Christ sits enthroned at the palace of all power, place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on the treasures of heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities, not with the distractions of the natural realm. Your crucifixion with Christ was, has severed the tie to this life. And now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed. You are now one with him in his glory. Live as one who has died to every form of sexual sin and purity, live as one who died to diseases and the desires for forbidden things, including the desire of wealth, which is the essence of idol worship. When you live in these vices, you ignite the anger of God against these acts of obedience. When you, when you live in these devices, you ignite, ignite the kingdom of uh, the anger of God towards these acts of disobedience. He's attacking the uh, disobedience. He's not dealing with, he's not attacking you. God wants to scaffold disobedience out of your heart. That's how you once behaved, characterized by your evil deeds. But now it's time to eliminate them from your lives once and for all. Anger, fits of rage, all forms of hatred, cursing, filthy speech, say, I ain't gonna curse no more. And lying, lie, beside your, lie aside your old Adam self with its masquerades and its disguise. For you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. In this new creation life, your nationality makes no difference. Your ethnicity, your education, your economic status, they matter nothing, for it is Christ that means everything as he lives in every one of us. Let that be your mantra. Stand up, let's pray. So Father, in the name of Jesus, you said where two or three are gathered together in your name. There you are in the midst. So we thank you that you're in our presence. We thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. We thank you for the promises of your word. You are faithful through all generations. And we know as a body of Christ, as believers, that we find our identity in you. And it's by your spirit, not by power, not by might, but by your spirit do we have authority and victory. So we celebrate and we thank you for that. May that be, may that be sealed in our hearts so that we are well aware that we are not limited by our appearance, our backgrounds, our educations, our culture, whatever it is, we're not limited by that. But instead, Father, that creates in us a uniqueness that further glorifies you as we level up to the spirit of unity and love that you ordained by the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise for an increased revelation of this and the intentional walk in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God.
Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He died, rose from the grave, and He is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name, praise God. We are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations. We are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, watch past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text get connected to 833-988-2009. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week and we look forward to connecting with you.